Coming up on the Behind the Mic podcast, NBA free agency, the L.A. Lakers reign supreme. What LeBron James and Rob Palenka are doing is nothing new. Tom Brady or Bruce Arians, to blame or not to blame? That is the question. Taysom Hill's first start and the Springfield mechanic in story time with Uncle Mike. You're behind the mic with Mike O'Neill Jr. What's happening? Happy Thanksgiving to everybody. It is Thursday, Thanksgiving Day, and just giving you a little something to listen to. If you have nothing else to do, listen to the podcast. You can do that. You can do that tomorrow, especially for you people that are actually off. I, unfortunately, have to go to work. Hopefully not too long. But we will start right here. The Week 11 NFL Rundown. Russell Wilson and the Seahawks got a much-needed win. And it's amazing what a little bit of defense and a running game will do. I do hope Kyler Murray's shoulder is okay. I got to win this week in fantasy football. As a Steelers fan, the Browns are making me a little bit nervous. Kevin Stefanski might be the coach that they have been looking for. But Pittsburgh is 10-0. Don't at me. As for the Eagles, that other team in Pennsylvania... Carson Wentz might be just trying a little bit too hard. Saying so, Joe. I love Joe Burrow. I know I'm a Steelers fan. I'm not supposed to root for the Bengals. But Alex Smith with the Washington football team gets his first win since 2018. But Bengals quarterback Joe Burrow is lost for the season with a torn MCL and ACL. Who remembers P.J. Walker? I do. First game with the Houston Roughnecks. I said, that's my team. I'll root for them. But P.J. Walker, the XFL quarterback, come on. Detroit Lions, come on, man. Baltimore Ravens coach John Harbaugh was big mad on Sunday. Your defense wanted no part of Derrick Henry. Teach him to tackle better. I maintain that Brian Flores, head coach of the Miami Dolphins, was protecting Tua. He got sacked six times, and he only threw for 80 yards. It's okay. Everybody struggles in Denver. Chargers quarterback Justin Herbert got that back-to-school fade and a win. Afterwards, Jets running back Frank Gore said, quote, I can't go out like that, end quote. Look, the Jets are 0-10. We might not have a choice. Green Bay, I live in Nashville. You had one job in Indy. That's all I got to say about that. Dallas and the Red Rifle snap a four-game losing streak against Minnesota. But for you young Sparkies that like to play receiver, Adam Thielen put on a clinic, by the way. Saints-Falcons, I'm guessing a certain coach in New Orleans knows a little bit more than we do. But man, the Raiders look good. You just left too much time on the clock for the quarterback that loves to put ketchup on everything. Monday Night Football, LA Rams, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It is official. Tom Brady is petty. But I will have to start right here. NBA free agency. LeBron James, don't be mad at him. Okay? What do I mean? So, the LA Lakers, Rob Palenka, good job. Good job. I'm done hating. Okay? I've been done hating, actually. My nephew last week accused me of being a LeBron James hater. And if anyone listens to this show or really listens to the Light Brothers podcast, catch us on Launchpad DM. Spotify, iTunes, and iHeartRadio, 
they don't like some people may not like some of that truth that we are spitting about LeBron James, but we don't hate LeBron James. All right. And I'm just going to speak for myself right now. Let's get this out the way. The LeBron James hate. This is what I don't like. I don't like the narcissism or the inorganic way that he keeps pushing himself as the go. And he lies about it, you know, and saying he doesn't care. We know he cares. He lets us know that all the time. He's he's got um, he there's receipts out there. Okay, he's been on camera. He's got quotes out there. But, I mean, there's, I, I can't, outside of that, I can't hate the dude. I can't hate the dude for several reasons. He's doing things just in a different way. In a way that I think my generation just can't latch on to, except keep this in mind. The Bible says that there's nothing new under the sun. Okay. And I think that what we have to understand is that we're dealing with a different generation. That this generation just tells you things straight up and they don't beat around the bush as much. You know, that look, I want to win a championship or I think I'm the greatest of all time. And should it be organic? I believe it should be. But if that's not the way that it's going to be, okay. But here's the thing. We've seen this stuff before. I think Jordan fans, and I'm one of them, I'm sitting here, in my studio, a.k.a. my son's room, it's half and half, staring at my Michael Jordan jersey in the middle of LeBron James on the left and Kobe Bryant on the right. I can officially say that those are three of my favorite basketball players to ever watch, okay? What I have to say may hurt some Jordan fans um, and some LeBron fans may clap, but I'm just being honest. I'm not going to withhold anything here. And I never have. I already said it. I don't like the narcissistic ways that he has. But is this something that we haven't seen before in athletes? Athletes, that's the way that a lot of them are. But LeBron is just a lot more upfront with it. Now, here's the thing. The difference between LeBron James and others is that he is at the top. And he's been on the top for a while. Now, here's the hard truth for Jordan fans, and this is not something new. Jordan fans don't like LeBron James because he's a threat. He's a threat more so to that legacy, and it's not in this way. I, I haven't said this. I think I had it wrote down, but I'll say it again just in case someone didn't hear me the first time. We, what we want to see is that LeBron is one of those guys That'll be, we want to see fake humility. And that doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. It just doesn't. And I can't continue to hate or, or dislike something that I've already rooted for uh, once before. If someone liked the Miami Hurricanes back in the day, they were on top and they pumped their chest and took their jerseys inside their shoulder pads and celebrated after five-yard catches and took off around it. And, and look, they, they walked it and they talked it. They performed it and they won. They lost some too. Same thing with LeBron. Same thing with LeBron. If you don't like how LeBron James has done business, okay, going from the teams that he's gone to, he started out in Cleveland and then goes to Miami and then goes back to Cleveland and now he is in L.A. He's won championships for three different franchises. 
Okay. I mean, that's an accomplishment in and of itself. It's just different. It's just different. And there's nothing wrong with being different. Or really, is nothing wrong with doing things and just telling you, look, this is what we're trying to accomplish. It's about championships. Okay. And understand the old school way we like to look at it as being more organic, which it was. But things are moving a little bit faster pace. There's a micro a microwave mentality that we have these days. Example in the NFL. All right. So you remember Josh Rosen. Josh Rosen and Steve Wilkes, the head coach for one year. Josh Rosen, the draft pick, who was supposed to be the top draft pick, I think, going into that college football season for UCLA. And eventually we know what ended up happening there. Uh, Baker Mayfield went first. And I think it was uh, Sam Darnold that went third overall. And so, I mean, and then Rosen um, was the 10th overall pick. He fell, all right, to the Arizona Cardinals. That year in 2018, they went 3-13. and 3-10, and 10, Josh Rosen was as the starter. Only 55% passing, 11 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. And it's like, um, I think they knew. And one thing that I've learned from listening to a lot of radio uh, and listening to the professionals, you have those guys that come on, they'll tell you, players will tell you in practice, they know if you can play or not. They will be blunt honest. It's like he can't play or he can't play. Same thing with the coaches. If the players know that, the coaches know that. But they're going to give them a shot. The Cardinals said, ah, the dude can't play. He got traded to Miami. Right now he is on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers practice squad. So technically, he's in the league, but not in the league. See how fast they move? And I mentioned Tua Tagovailoa. Tua, I think he got pulled for protection, but Tua, they pulled they they pulled Fitzmagic and inserted Tua after the Jets game, just that fast. Even though they were winning, and they gave him a little bit of you know gave him a couple live game reps against the Jets, and then he starts. You know, he threw 93 yards the first game, and then he had a pretty good game against Arizona in their win. And then last week, you know, he got beat up pretty good. Um, but, look, they, they, they want to see what you can do now. But people move, and they, they, they want to win. And they're going to manipulate the system any way that they can. Keep this in mind about free agency, a little bit of free agency in history, just being really, really simple with it. Used to not be, there used to not be any free agency. Where you ended up as an athlete, that's where you stayed. Okay? That's where you stayed. Period. Point blank. So, if you don't like the way LeBron does things, just consider this. Would you have kept the same team if you had a chance to add a player or two that would put you over the top? And don't get stuck on the super teams thing. It's all about winning championships, right? One of the reasons why I wanted to get in this business was because uh, I think we had a discussion at one point, and I think it was a Shaq Kobe thing that we were talking about. Um, and basically it was, well, Kobe wouldn't have won without Shaq, and Shaq wouldn't have won about Kobe. Well, without Kobe, the, look, the whole point of doing all of this business is to get better. That's the point of drafts. That's the point of free agency is to win. Now, if you don't make any moves, then what are you going to say? You're critical if someone makes moves. You're critical if they don't make moves as a fan. And it's like, look, you, you just want to be happy. 
and you, or you just want to complain one. I don't know which. So when you see all of those examples of how people move so fast, okay. Kurt Flood. If you don't know about Kurt Flood, here it goes. I think he was a second baseman for 15 years for the St. Louis Cardinals. In 69, he was going to be traded, or he was traded to the Phillies. He said, I'm not going. Like my pastor said at one point about him getting drafted to go fight in the war back in Vietnam. And he, and he showed up at the office and told the lady that he wasn't going. And they said, okay, you don't have to go. <laughs> Worked out a little bit differently for Muhammad Ali when he said he didn't want to go. So, but um, he, he kind of started that. Then there was two other, now Kurt Flood was a black athlete. They didn't move for him. It went to the Supreme Court and everything. I don't remember the two names of the players. The white players would basically happen the same way a couple of years later. Then stuff started to change. Flood took a hit, and it pretty much ended his career. In 71, he wasn't playing. After 71, he wasn't playing anymore. So, I mean, that there's several examples of how teams get better. NBA free agency this year. I mean, LeBron and company, well, Rob Palenka, let's just give credit where it's due even though we all want to believe it's LeBron that's making all these moves. I, I mean, I'm kind of half and half on that. I mean, ask some of the players sometimes. They, I think that LeBron would know. Dennis Schroeder, Wesley Matthews, Mark Gasol, and Martrez Harrell. Boy, I can't wait to watch the Lakers play the Clippers this season. Woo! That's going to be hot. But then on top of that, um, I mean, you see I, – I, I really don't see – Anybody beating that team, if I'm being real, I really don't. Um, the Lakers have a lineup that's that's pretty much killer. You got LeBron and KCP and AD and uh, Caruso, Kuz and Markeith Morris, and then you add Harold and all these other guys and Schroeder and Gasol. I mean, it's a it's a really good team that we've never we won't really know until they get on the court. But I mean. On paper, they have the best team. And I said this to someone earlier. I hated that Klay Thompson blew his Achilles. Um, and I'm sure that LeBron had a had a moment. But I think that he went in his backyard and started shouting. And I'm not saying that the Warriors were that big of a threat. But it kind of helps <laughs> when you don't have uh, – it, it does help when players get hurt. Uh, and some circumstances happen when someone's not able to play in certain games. But for years, this this, this isn't anything new. Teams make moves uh, to get better all the time. Look, my, my Lakers, we have been the recipients of two of the greatest players, really three, in NBA history. Now, you do know that Kobe wasn't originally drafted by the Lakers. It was a trade. He was drafted by the Charlotte Hornets. And there was a draft day trade, I believe it was. But it was a trade nonetheless. And then we ended up with Kobe Bryant. Kareem won a championship with Milwaukee before he ended up saying, look, I want out of Milwaukee. And he ended up with the L.A. Lakers. The rest is history. Shaq, Orlando didn't want to pay him. L.A. said, whoop, cut you that check. $121 million, 10-year deal. Bye, Orlando. And then the rest is history. We we win three out of four championships, three in a row to be exact, before losing that one with Carl Malone and uh, uh, 
the glove, Gary Payton, came on, which that that lineup was awesome. And look, look at even that that lineup. Was that a super team? Not really, because Malone, the mailman, and the glove were both at the end of their careers. And for all of the stuff that Charles Barkley says, Barkley, he left Philly because they weren't going nowhere. It comes right out of his mouth. But we gloss over that because we don't like LeBron James. Now, am I Nick Wright, Colin Cowherd, or Shea Shea, Club Shea Shea, Shannon Sharp? No, I'm not. I'm not swinging. Uh, I'm not swinging on LeBron like that. Let me just keep it clean. But it's just, I mean, sometimes you have to call a spade a spade. Some of it is LeBron's fault. He brings this stuff on himself. And then other things, we're just looking for an excuse to talk about him. Steve Kerr in 93, speaking to Michael Jordan. They, I mean, he was with the Suns and the Cavs, and I think he even had a stint with the Magic. But in 93, they asked Steve Kerr to the roster. Super team, no, but did he not hit a big three to help them, help the Chicago Bulls win their fifth NBA championship? Yeah. And to take it a step further, Dennis Rodman, after his runs with Detroit and San Antonio, was he kind of left for dead? Kind of. But you brought in the best rebounder in basketball. And that helped put you over the top. Look, if you don't know, just watch The Last Dance. It'll give you a little more insight. Now, I was there. I watched it live. Okay? I, I saw this stuff when I was in high school. So, I mean, look. And even before that, I hated Dennis Rodman and the bad boys. They even brought in... Uh, they even brought in a player too, here and there. Mark Aguirre was pretty good when he joined up with the Detroit Pistons. Watched Bad Boys documentary. Okay, so that I mean you're going to do things to improve your team. Remember Jordan hitting that jumper over Craig Elo. Elo was not supposed to be guarding him. Ron Harper was. Ron Harper was. I won't call him a Jordan stopper. But he was pretty good. Now there towards the end, he ended up with the uh, the Bulls. I think it was the year that he took off. He comes back. What happens? Three more championships. With Ron Harper, Dennis Rodman, alongside Scottie Pippen and Michael Jordan. Super team? Like I said, don't get caught up on that super team stuff. You got some pretty good players. You put some players together to win. Because here's the thing. Not every quote-unquote super team wins. We've seen that stuff happen. Shoot, even in 2010, when LeBron and uh, and Chris Bosh came down to Miami, did they go to the finals? Yeah. But they started off 8-9, and nine, and people were ready to throw them out. Doesn't always work that way. It takes time. It takes some time. But you build a team, and that's the way you do it. Ray Allen, KG, they joined up with the truth, Paul Pierce in Boston. They got one championship and two finals out of it. That was really the first super team, if you want to call it that, but it did happen via trade. But nowadays, these guys, they're saying, look, instead of us being happenstance and being a trade and we agreeing to go somewhere, we're just going to say, look, I think this will work. And James Harden, hmm. Yeah, that, that Brooklyn stuff, that's not going to happen. You might have to wait a couple years for that. <laughs> but look, we talked about this on the last show of the Light Brothers. 
player empowerment. And this is from Frank Isola. Um, he said straight up, and it's true, player empowerment is great, but it's only really worked for two players. KD, who was a free agent and was chilling in the Hamptons and took meetings. That's, that's, I mean, would you not want to be able to do that? Especially if you're the best player in the league? You know, arguably the best player in the league? Yeah. And LeBron's not, you know, he, he's just really doing what many people wish that they could do if we're being real. So, look, they're just telling you straight up, we want to win. And this is how we're going to do it. Get used to it. Tom Brady is petty. I have to start right there. <laughs> Tom Brady is petty. So basically, he's going to shake your hand if he beats you. Or if he happens to lose, if you're in his circle or if he likes you, then he'll shake your hand. Other than that, he's going to the locker room. I don't want to hear any excuses. It's happened too many times over the course of the last, what, three, four years, maybe more than that. I don't know. He won't shake Nick Foles' hand after the Super Bowl. Or I don't know if he did. Did he shake it after they lost to the Eagles? I don't know. I mean, I, I really don't know. We know the Bears game when they lost earlier this year. He didn't shake his hand. The camera was on him. Look, he's looking for Tom Brady. Brady, he running to the locker room. I got to get to bed. Sorry. Got to go. He's petty. But he's going to shake Aaron Rodgers' hand. Win or lose, even though he beat the they beat the brakes off of the Green Bay Packers, but he'll shake his hand. He'll shake the hand of um, he'll shake the hand of Justin Herbert, even though I'm sure that they didn't really know each other till maybe that day or something. Maybe they tweeted or texted each other or something like that. He'll shake Drew Brees' hand after a loss, hug him up, give him a kiss. COVID, but I mean it's it's he's petty, he's petty. Uh, it's, there's no way around it. <laughs> so let's get right to it. Uh, look, let's get this straight right now. What you see at the beginning of a season is not what you will see at the end of a season. Can we agree on that? I mean, that's what I, I think that we can agree on that. Because many teams have started undefeated or they've done really well and then they finish like trash. And then the reverse has happened before where a team will start off Kind of shaky, even though the prognostication of that squad says that they will be pretty good. And then they end up in the Super Bowl. Case in point, let's just go back to the 2014 New England Patriots. New England, they had a Monday night football loss. Everybody remembers it. There were a couple injuries in that game, but Andy Reid and Alex Smith put it on Belichick and Brady. 41-14. to 14. Even though... Later on that season, they would go on to finish 10-2 and two the rest of the season. After that game, that Monday night game, they were 2-2, two and two, the Patriots were. They won seven straight games, and then they beat Seattle in the Super Bowl, thanks to Malcolm Butler. What up, Malcolm? 2017, we, we, we always tried to write off Tom Brady. That's the point that I'm really trying to get to. We tried to write off the Patriots. I mean, even now, you probably kind of want to write them off. But Brady, he's, I mean, um, Belichick has proven why he's probably the, to, to many. I'll just say it. He's the greatest coach of all time. The greatest football coach of all time. You talk about Brady taking 
chicken salad, making chicken salad out of chicken doo-doo. What do you think? I mean, they don't have a winning record yet with Cam Newton and those boys, but um, to play all those games close the way that they do, there's no way around it. I mean, they easily the, – the they could be six and four or whatever they are right now. That, I mean, they you could flip – the Patriots record right now. They could be 73, seven and three, six and four. If the Seattle game doesn't go the other way, maybe the Buffalo fumble that Cam Newton had, what if they score on that drive? We don't, we don't know. We can go woulda, coulda, shoulda, but proof positive is that he's keeping these guys in the game. They're not getting blown out every week. They're not, they're not that good. And they have guys, eight guys that opted out and everything. But anyway, point is, we wrote, we continue to write them off and write off Tom Brady. 2017, at the age of 40, Brady wins the MVP. First team all pro. All right, 32 touchdowns, eight interceptions. They were 13-3. and three. They went to the Super Bowl. They lost. And I still don't know if Brady shook the hand of Nick Foles uh, when he lost to the Eagles. But he led the NFL in attempts and yards that year. Then the next year, they won – Probably his final Super Bowl. I don't know. I don't know. In 2018, they beat the Rams. I mean, we keep writing them off um, and saying that they won't do it. And I think that year they were they were 11 and five. So I don't think that we could keep doing it. But we have to we have to show some kind of patience and stuff at times and let stuff cook. Sports is a lot like baking. It's Thanksgiving, right? It's a lot like baking or cooking. What you start off with, those yams don't look like yams. They actually look pretty gross if you go in the store and you look at an actual sweet potato. And the outside of it is not very good. But by the time they sit that, sit that bowl on the table with that brown sugar and vanilla and everything else that you put in there, the, that, uh, that, that condensed milk, oh, heaven. And by the way, yes, you have to put your macaroni and cheese right next to the sweet potatoes, by the way. That's what you do, okay? Just... That's what you do. Just try it. If you haven't tried it, just try it. Just look, I'm just telling you. All right, Mama Tara, I know you're not listening. I don't think you are, but it, my, 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 she's my other mother, Tara Jones, but she does not let her food touch. Just try it one time, just one time. Anyway, but we have to be, we have to show some kind of patience. We have, you know, we have to keep doing it. And look, the last segment talked about the Miami Heat, their first year. But here's the other thing. When the Patriots allowed, well, more so Tom Brady said, I'm walking. Even after the offer, he said, I'm out of here. So he's going to Tampa. And the only two questions that I had with the Buccaneers were their offensive line and the playbook. Because if you keep, if you remember anything about the Patriots and their playbook, remember Tom Brady was there for 20 years. And Josh McDaniels, whether it was McDaniels or whether it was Charlie Weiss or even Bill O'Brien, that playbook was very, very, it was thick. And every NFL playbook is thick. But, you know, this bad boy was thick. You got a library. And it's known for being a little bit difficult to um, to drink in, so to speak. All right? So, He's learning in Tampa a new playbook and the players. COVID be darned. He was still out there in the park trying to get reps. 
even though he wasn't allowed to during the summer, during the offseason, when they said no contact and all of that stuff during COVID, there's a reason why he was trying to get ahead because exactly what I just said. He was trying to get ahead. And the only way that you can do that is by learning something that you don't know. Now, I don't know the exact plays or whatever that they've got in there. If it's all Arians with a little bit of some concepts sprinkled in from New England, then that helps Tom Brady. I'll get to that in a second. But when you spend 20 years in one place, you can't think that it's even a quarterback like Tom Brady. You see him struggling. He's got nine interceptions this season. He had nine all of last year. He doesn't throw picks like that very often. And there's a reason. There's a reason. 20 years in New England. If anyone listens to Chris Sims, and I do, Chris Sims, former Texas quarterback, former Tampa Bay quarterback, he used to work for the Patriots at one point, and he told this story on a radio show how he was passing out the playbooks. And apparently Tom Brady graciously took it, but, uh, you know, you catch him going down the hall and Brady throws it in the trash can. Why? He doesn't need it. He is the playbook. He knows the playbook. So, Look, I mean, we have that win-now mentality, but I think we have to consider what he's having to deal with. All plays aren't the same. All playbooks are not the same. There may be some concepts that may be the same, but we all, if you pay any attention, Bruce Arians, no risk it, no biscuit. He wants to throw the football down the field. And there was one stint where the, the New England Patriots did that a lot more than they have ever, and that was when Randy Moss was there. All he had to do was throw it up. Randy was going to run right up under it. He had that D speed, and he was the second greatest receiver of all time, in my opinion, behind Jerry Rice. And right up under him might be, I don't you know, I ain't going to start that. But that you have to understand the playbook. And then on top of that, like I said, the offensive line, Okay, so the offensive line, I kind of threw that out. I'm still wondering about that. I think it's more so about the playbook than it is the O-line. The O-line, according to Pro Football Focus, I mean, they they were ranked 13th coming into this season, and they've been pretty consistently ranked in, let's just say, between six and seven for the last two seasons. They lost a tackle, and then they drafted the number two rated tackle, Tristan Wirfs, out of Iowa in the first round this year. But I'm thinking in my mind, there's no way that this kid will be, like, ready, you know, to go and play. But I, all from all indications, he's played pretty decently this year. Um, and their, their pass blocking has actually been pretty good. And you look more so between their center and their guards. So there's no excuse there. So it has to be the playbook. And who's the author of that? Bruce Arians. One thing that I learned about being a youth football coach is that you have to adjust to your players, what you've got. Why throw the football if you if you got a quarterback that can throw but you have nobody that can catch it? Run the ball. If you had a small offensive line like I had my first year that I actually was a head coach, we had to go foot to foot and we had to go simple zone, zone blocking schemes for a bunch of kids that had 
no experience except for all except two. And we had to run what was called the overload offense. And we drew up some different plays off of it. We ran some reverses. We ran to the weak side. We might throw a little pop pass to the tight end. And most of it, the, 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 the strength of the offense was the quarterback keeping the ball to the strong side. And that's all we could do at the time. It worked. We moved the ball. We went from not moving it at all and moving backwards to actually scoring points. Bruce Arians, you might need to adjust. Clearly, Brady has the arm to throw the football. That There's no doubt there. But the problem is, is that, look, and I, I'm stealing this from somebody. You have a guy that's a surgeon. You, you're trying to ha- take a surgeon and make him be, you know, like a grocery store manager. He's not built for that. Bad analogy, but look, Brady kills people over the middle, throwing short passes and getting the ball out of his hands quickly. His decision-making in short and intermediate routes, okay, not necessarily throwing deep. Run the football. If you can't run it, you have to you have to kill them with short passes. Now, no, uh, looking at the Monday Night Football stats that they had against the Rams, it was not very good. Uh, shoot, if I, as a matter of fact, I have it in front of me right now. Antonio Brown had eight catches for fifty-seven yards. Fifty-seven yards. Chris Godwin seven catches, fifty-three yards. Mike Evans, 5 for 49. What in the Jarvis Landry when he used to play for the Miami Dolphins is going on here? A lot of short passes and no run after the catch. So some of that, I mean, you're you're learning some continuity with the players that you have. And then you have Fournette who can't catch a cold. If I'm surprised he can take a handoff. It's the easiest throws. How many games am I going to watch with this dude is wide open? He just throw, he's dropping a ball just coming out of the backfield. It doesn't make any sense. Bruce Aarons just might be stubborn. Again, you know, th- I think that this dude, at one point I wanted him to be the head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Thank God he's not. Because you have to be able to adjust. And I don't think he's ever adjusted. And a lot of their quarterbacks, this point has been made in the past week, a lot of the quarterbacks that he's had, they have thrown a lot of interceptions. And if you look between Jameis and Tom, Jameis Winston, yeah, he can give you those deep throws. but he And he'll give you those yards. He led the league in yards. And I think he led them in touchdowns with about, what, 34? But he threw 30 picks. And you missed the playoffs. And I've said this before, if you took half of those picks – they're in the playoffs. They win 10, maybe 11 games. So, you know, that no risk it, no biscuit, that don't work. It doesn't. And Tom, with those short throws and some of them being long, that would be a little bit more success. He was one of 18 on throws Monday night, 15 yards or longer. What does that tell you? I'm wondering, and I should have researched this as well, what does that mean for him on the season? I have no idea. But all I know is, I mean, there has to be an adjustment made. And clearly, against the better defenses, because we're going to talk about Taysom Hill next, New Orleans defense is 
among the tops in the league now. They had a stint where they were shaky, but they're on now. That's why you don't judge the beginning of the season to the, you know from the end. You have to look at the entirety of the year. And they're more what you're looking at at the end is probably what you're going to see going into the playoffs, if you're a playoff team at all. But they're losing against the better teams. They well, let's just be honest. They lost. Um, they they lost some uh, one other earlier game, but um, they lost to New Orleans twice. Right? They're seven and four. The Tampa Bay Bucks are seven and four. They lost to the Saints the first game. Fast forward, remember Tom Brady wouldn't shake the hand of the Chicago Bears, and that that was the it's fourth down, right? No, not fourth down. The game is over. 2019, they lost to the Bears, who were on a winning streak themselves, and that was kind of a surprising win. And they lost to the Saints. They lost to the Rams. Winning teams with better defenses. The Rams, and, and for the Bears' offensive struggles, the, Ram, the Bears' defense is actually pretty good. They're actually pretty decent. But look here, it, it's, it's something that has to be said. You know, Bruce, you have to adjust. Tom Brady, is it time for him to go? Is he done? I don't think so, but he will be if this continues. I listen to a lot of radio and I listen to a lot of podcasts. And when Taysom Hill was named the starting quarterback instead of Javis Winston, everybody had the exact same thing to say. Sean Payton must know what he's doing. You know, well, he's there, and we're not there. You don't say. Now, Payton did say that Taysom Hill was the future of the team. And at the same time, I understand why a lot of us, including me, did not believe that. Why else do you bring in Teddy Bridgewater and pay him the way that you pay him, paid him? Why would you bring in Jameis Winston? Even though he only got a million dollars, but why would you bring in these two guys? And as a matter of fact, when Drew Brees went down hurt, who went in for him? Jameis Winston. That's why everybody thought it was going to be Jameis. I mean, this dude has thrown passes in the league. Taysom Hill, a total of 18 throws. 18 throws. Keep this in mind. There's always room for improvement. People can get better. Now, they might not improve by your watch, but they can improve. What we heard from a lot of people, what I heard anyway, was his time at BYU. Um, He was more of a runner than a throw, even though he had uh, I think he had a 3,000-yard passing season. But when I watched him, I'm like, dude, this dude is like uh, Tim Tebow-like. Uh, but he's he's throwing the football, yeah, but he's doing more running than throwing. And then he got hurt a lot. He missed, what, I guess close to a season. But then since he's been at New Orleans, like I said, he's only thrown 18 balls totally. To, for In total, that is. Um. What are we used to seeing him play? He's covering punts. He's playing tight end, wide receiver, running back, running the zone read when he actually is in the shotgun. I mean, Sunday, 
and I don't li- watch all the games uh, for New Orleans, you know, like that. I can't remember the last time I saw him under center. So it was cool. That was the first game I went to. All right, yeah, while I was at church. I did peek in on the games while I was at church. Say that real low so y'all don't hear that. So, yeah, that was the first game that I peeked in on. Um, when I got home, that was, I mean, I have Sunday ticket, beautiful thing. Every man should have it that loves football. Um, and I went right to it. So it, it was great to watch. Um, Sunday, well, what did he do? He had, he was 18 of 23, 223 yards. He didn't throw a touchdown. He didn't throw an interception either. Um, and he had 10 carries for 51 yards and ran for two touchdowns. And a lot of that was on called passing plays that broke down and he just took off running. Everybody saw the highlight with him running to the left corner of the end zone and getting in there. Uh, and then on top of that, he did have some drops. So he threw the football pretty well. He was throwing to Emmanuel Sanders. He targeted Mike Thomas, I think, 13 times. And Mike caught nine of them and had over 100 yards. And this too, okay, he also had – he would have had more rushing yards than that. He had 28 yards according to Pro Football Focus, 28 more yards on three running plays that were called back, obviously by penalty. The media doesn't know, okay? They like to pretend like they do. And this is something else that came up last week and even the front end of this week. We like to pretend like we do. Um, and I, I will say that I'm one of those people that's in the media. It may not be official, official, um, but I, ha- I do have a degree. <laughs> um, and I, I'm, I'm going. I'm going places. But the thing is, we like to pretend. And I'm, I'm not going to pretend like I know anything. I'm going to tell you. If I don't know, I don't know. Okay? But we like to. It's more glorified guessing. They like to pretend like they know. But you have coaches that are actually in the locker rooms, actually on the practice field, and they don't ever want to trust what they say. And a lot of it is based on wins or losses. If you lose, they don't trust what you're doing, your decisions that you make. Ask a fan, any fan on earth for any team, whatever the sport. But if you win, they'll take everything you say. They don't question Bill Belichick. Why? He's got all those Super Bowls. They don't even question him now, even though he, I mean, he's got eight guys that, that called out sick. Well, not called out sick. They didn't want to get sick, so they said COVID call-outs. They're out. And he lost pretty much his entire linebacking core. He lost, what, two defensive backs and uh, and some other players. And now he's got more injuries to deal with, but still he's got games that he keep, he's keeping close. There's a reason why we trust Bill Belichick. We trust him. My dad asked me uh, via text, I think two weeks ago, basically why – um, how, how in the world do some of these um, coaches and players, that you know, they, they get these media jobs before someone like me who actually has a degree? I said, because they know, let's just be honest, and remember the jobs that they take, they, they're on these 12-chair desks where they're doing these pregame shows because they've been there and done that. Now, someone like me would be James Brown. You know, that's that's leading the thing. Okay, so I'm like, welcome in the NFL Live, blah, 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 blah. We're going to go to Howie Long. I'm that dude. But the guys that's actually up there, the coaches and the players, they've been there, done that. Now, are they right all the time? Of course not. But they're they're the ones there. Why else do you think the, the networks hire former scouts, 
coaches and players to be on some of these radio shows and TV shows and stuff like that. That's why, because they know what they're doing. Sean Payton knows what he's doing, okay? Now, his decision, everybody didn't agree with it, obviously. It was met with some criticism, not only from the media, but some pushback from the players. According to Adam Schefter's report, he tweeted out that, you know, there were people that didn't agree with him choosing Taysom Hill over Jameis Winston. Now, I don't know if they were more offensive players or receivers or what, but, you know, you, you're always going to have clicks and, and some splits. But let's just be honest, Taysom has put in his time, plus they put money in Taysom Hill. That's the first thought that I had uh, before the Sunday game is like, well, they did pay him. Maybe not necessarily to be a quarterback, but they did pay him. And he has QB next to his name. So maybe that's the reason why they're going with him. Nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. So, and then the other thought that I had was basically, it was like, well, they obviously have to have a package ready for him to be able to start a full game. So, you know, it worked out. Now, what I do want to, it was the Atlanta Falcons, David Lewis. It was the Atlanta Falcons. I want to see him against a better defense. Now, if you look at their remaining schedule, they have six games left in this season. So, Drew Brees and his 11 cracked ribs, broken ribs. I, mean, I didn't even know you had that many ribs. 24, we got 24, and he broke almost half of them, 11. The next three to four weeks is probably what we're looking at to see him heal. Um, so the, those games are, you have three straight road games at Denver, at Atlanta. They'll beat them again. At Philadelphia, they'll probably beat them again. And a lot of this may be based uh, mostly on their defense and the fact that they can run the football with Alvin Kamara. Then they have two home games, Kansas City and Minnesota. And then they go to Carolina for the finale. Um, and if you look at the total defense, Atlanta and Minnesota are the two worst defenses in football. No wonder the Cowboys won Sunday. Anyway, Atlanta, they're 29th overall and they're 31st against the pass, but they're supposed to be pretty good against the run. Now, if I look back at the stats, which I did. All right, so <laughs> keep this in mind. Taysom Hill did lead uh, uh, New Orleans in rushing. He only had 51 yards. And uh, Latavius Murray only had 49. So they, they did a good job against the run, but just overall as a team, if you watch the game, I think the final was 24-9. They made plays, and Atlanta just could not. Poor Julio Jones limping uh, in and out of the lineup. I mean, he's trying. This might be his last year there, man. He might get out and try to get with a winner. Do it. If you can, Julio, if you can hear my voice, get out of Atlanta, please. Anyway, uh, yeah, I want to see him against a better defense. I want to see him, you know, against a better team and, and being able to throw. It's just one start. It's one game. He might come out and suck the next game. But it's a start. All right, all right, all right. We're going to wrap. Kids, it's story time with Uncle Mike. Get your blankets. Get your cots out. Y'all remember those those uh, metal cots that had the, 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 the tennis 
fabric on the green fabric like it looked like they used on the tennis courts to kind of cover the 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 the, the fences up i remember those cots they weren't that comfortable and then those uh those fold out red and blue mats they weren't all that great either especially if they were ripped up or torn you cut your hand on that anyway story time with uncle mike Today's story, the Springfield mechanic. I got a handful of people that know this story, but if we want to hear it. Here you go. So it's that time of year. I am a courier for FedEx still uh, for now. Um, I'm actually stepping down uh, by the first of the year. I will not be on the road anymore. So enjoy me while you can <laughs> FedEx during this final peak season for me. But um this happened around this time of year, uh, and I think it was more so December. Springfield, Tennessee, I was in a van. Now, delivering in Springfield, that's country, okay? So this happened probably about 15 years ago. And it's easier when you're in those trucks that we drive normally where you slide the door open and close. And you, you know, you're standing up when you exit the vehicle. Well, I was in a van. And so I still kind of left the door open just in case. I was trained to cut the truck off, blow the horn, and listen for dogs because they run loose. So I was like, okay. After a couple of years of doing that, I mean, I knew what I was doing by then. But this in particular situation, I had never driven a van out there. And I had a rental too, had the radio. That's the best. You got a, a car charger for your phone. And you got a, a real radio. There's no radios in FedEx trucks or UPS trucks, okay? Unless you bring one yourself. Um, but this particular stop was on Highway 76. And I backed into the long driveway. And keep this in mind also that houses in Springfield are spread apart really good. So you, if you have one house here, you could put probably a house or two, three, four houses in between the next one. I back in. There's a a white pickup truck, a Chevy pickup truck that's behind me. I back up. I get out with a phone in my hand. Now, back then, we had to get signatures for these things. Not so much now. A residential release did not exist. So either you got a signature for it or you left the door tag. So I'm halfway to the house and coming up on the pickup truck, long driveway, and then I hear some, some grass moving to my right side, I look up, it's a rock wallet with a head the size of my Chevy Tahoe running at me. If you know anything about dogs, rock wallets, they do not necessarily bark. They don't make a sound. All you hear is, <laughs> and that's all I heard, along with the grass. Two steps, I was in the back of that pickup truck. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm stuck in the back of this pickup truck. But somebody has to be home. But how am I going to let them know that, they're, that that I'm out here? This dog has run from next door over here, and he's on his hind legs. And then he starts barking. And I'm like, okay. Um, this dog, uh, I didn't mention the fact that he had this Confederate flag bandana around his neck. So I figured... I'm in some kind of trouble. Or I'm, I'm just going to, have to book it and, and 
try to get back to my van some kind of way or I'm just going to be spending the day in the back of this truck until somebody comes out. Just so happens that the owner of that house, whose phone that I had, was home and he happened to come out. And he's like, hey, Hank. He's talking to the dog. The dog's name is Hank. And uh, turns out the dog's actually, he's all right. I even got the pet Hank. I don't trust Hank still because if he wasn't there, that my butt would have been in his mouth, period, point blank. So I got saved. But here's the key. The next week, I go next door. Here's what I found out the week before. That son-in-law's dog that lives next door. His daughter and her husband, his son-in-law, live next door. Son-in-law has is a mechanic that works on cars there at his house. And for whatever reason, and keep this in mind, if anybody's familiar with Springfield, it's country. And it's long highways with, you know, hardly any lights. So I'm trying to figure out, okay, so he has these dogs out, I'm told, because he's trying to protect the cars and his property. Who's going to walk like that to steal anything? Maybe he had a problem, and that's why he got the dogs. I, and I, I just never knew about it, never found out. I never heard anything. I didn't even ask because I seen the dad-in-law that one time, and then I seen son-in-law once, no, twice. The first time I went was that next week, and Hank was back. This is where I told you I didn't trust him. I pull up to the – I'm still in the van, by the way. I pull up to the guy's house, nose first, because Hank – is up on like a little, the, the mailbox is not even on a pole or anything. The mailbox is sitting almost like on like this wooden um, platform, you know, that that's next to the steps that lead up to his house. And I kind of just slide, the, he's not home. So I slide my little door tag out the window. Hank is breathing on my window. So he's standing up there with the mailbox. I'm not getting out for what? You want your phone? Put your dog away. It's, it's that simple. It's that simple. But I look up, and the man has a full-grown Doverman pitcher that is trying to eat through the glass door, storm door, to get to me. You know, one of those kind that you see in the movies that chase the people down that's on the dockyard that they're not supposed to be at, and they got those loose dogs running around. That's what kind of Doverman pitcher he had. Full-grown, running around in the house, probably crapping on every couch. He's trying to protect something. I, it might not have been just cars over there. I, I, I'm just, I'm just thinking, uh, there might have been more than cars at that house. Anyway, ah, oh, but that's going to be all for today. Close to a solid hour. Hey, I hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you next time on the Light Brothers podcast. This is behind the mic with Mike Neal. Enjoy your turkey. I am. <laughs>